You're listening to the Alliance Theater Podcast, an exploration of theater and the people who make it happen, hosted by John and Ariel. Hello and welcome to the Alliance Theater Podcast. I'm John Carr. And I'm Arielle Tinter. And you made it to episode two. Woohoo! Yeah. So we are thrilled to have a new guest with us this week. It's Chris Moses. He's the Dan Reardon Director of Education and Associate Artistic Director here at the theater. Yes, and we're super excited. He's going to be talking about all the amazing things that our education department does. And there are certain things that like I learned about, so I'm very excited for this episode. Yeah, so let's get to it. Hello, Chris Moses. Welcome. Oh, hello. Hi. We're so glad you're here with us. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, who you are and your position here in the Alliance? Sure. Um, so I have the privilege of being the Director of Education and the Associate Artistic Director at the Alliance. Um, and I think that that long title is is actually really meaningful in terms of what value education is given at this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, a, a way to capture um, the fact that this is a theater that is equally committed to producing work and using this art form as a way to, to educate folks. That's great. And I think uh, a great place to start is just kind of how you got started here at the Alliance and kind of your journey into this position. Sure. Um, So my focus um, was on acting and I... um, I was a grown man, but I was playing James and James and the Giant Peach. (laughs) You know, hairy legs and knickers. Uh, But it was eye-opening to see this large theater um, that cared so much about youth programming Mm. and playing to houses of 750 Mm. young people. Um, So that was an entry point and started, uh, I started working in the education department, doing some teaching and registering students. And what that afforded me was a chance to hear from so many people in the community Um, I was so deeply curious about why they were calling and interested in taking a class here. And the answers you would hear would be all over the map, you know? There would be the obvious ones of people who had this this dream that they never followed up on and always wanted to try it. Then there'd be professionals, you know, I remember clergymen wanting to take a class Mm. so they could you know, become better preachers or lawyers or um, certainly tons of young people um, and families uh, uh, calling about the classes that we did for kids. So that sparked this idea that, oh, my God, if we really listen to the community, there is so much we could be doing. So it's been a gift to to stay with this organization for so long and to be given the chance to grow and develop programming in response to, to those needs. Well, I think one of the things that's really interesting to me is just the fact that, like, because you spent so much time listening and talking to those folks, like, getting into your position as running education, you've been able to kind of now have the power to, like, put programs together and to respond to those listening. And we've seen growth in the theater since you've you've taken over this position. Can you talk a little bit about, like, how the theater has grown since you've been a part of it? Sure. So um, I... I was given this position in 2011 so it's been um wow eight years uh (laughs) and the major growth uh came in a a few different areas um part of it was programmatic 
Um, we did start developing work for really young audiences and investing in early childhood um, work, and that was from a production side through our Bernhardt Theater for the Very Young program, which is professional theater designed specifically for zero to five-year-olds. Mm, so wow. that gave us a whole <laughs> new avenue of families to reach. Yeah, yeah. And um, the idea was you know, that they, they deserve world-class theater as a two-year-old. I believe that wholeheartedly as a one-year-old, and I believe, you know, there should be no barrier to appreciating this art form. You shouldn't, you know, you don't need to know how to sit still. You don't need to know how to behave properly. You know, we can meet you on your own terms. Um, and while doing that for several years, I think we've grown, though, this, this audience who comes back, and now we have classes and camps for three- and four-year-olds, and that builds up that family audience, which really helped. Um, but concurrently, we were working on uh, um, really expanding the work that we do out in the public school system, which is one area that I don't think, I, that I know is not uh, recognized from the public mm -hmm. uh, as much because it's all happening in the school. But we have a massive part of our operation um, that is committed to being a partner with the public school system mm -hmm. and taking theater out into the schools and wow. using our art form in service of student learning. Um, so we started growing that program as well. Um, what I will say about that, 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 demands subsidization and grant funding. Okay. So one thing we were really conscious of is how can we develop uh, some alternate revenue models that could support uh, uh, these programs so we're not wholly reliant on on the whims of corporate funding right, or, yeah. or, or um, foundations. So we developed a program for um, adults and corporate executives as well. So this takes me back to when I was on the phone <laughs> all those years ago listening yeah, to people yeah. in the corporate sector saying, wow, we need help with presentation skills. Mm -hmm. right. So we developed the Alliance at Work program which uh, um, takes theater into the corporate sector and and teaches um, executives how to use strategic storytelling to craft a message that will stick or how to develop their emotional intelligence. And what I love most about that program, maybe most, is that that the revenue that is generated by this corporate sector who has the money to pay for this service, mm -hmm is going back directly into the work in the school system. So it becomes this virtuous cycle. We're giving the corporations the mm -hmm. skills they need to be better leaders, to mm -hmm. be better collaborators, all of the things that theater does naturally, and then that money is being reinvested into the school system. Wow. Right. I love the Alliance at Work program. I think it's amazing, and it's one of those programs that we have that we don't tout as much as we should. Um, can you talk a little bit about the clients that we have and the type of uh, workshops that we offer because they're not just typical run-of-the-mill HR corporate workshops. Sure. Um, yeah, I think there's a couple things that differentiate our program. I, I mean, one, it's, it's, it's rooted in theater, so it's going to be experiential. But there are other theaters that have, have done some of this work. You know, Second City's pretty famous for having a, a training program. But they're relying on improv and... Um, which is super valuable, but that's not that's not what we do. Um, and we were really uh, deliberate about developing a program that would have 
very clear practical application once they left the workshop so it wasn't just this fun exciting thing to do but that we would always walk it back to this is how you apply this when you get back into the office so that's one thing but the the main thing is that we used um, the rehearsal process as the guiding metaphor for all of the methodology so we looked at what happens in a productive rehearsal when you are really collaborating and testing and trying it becomes this laboratory where it's all R&D because you're pushing and and trying to find the most impactful choice for every single moment and we thought if we could open that process up and apply it to the business world that would be so valuable so people get a chance to um, feel what certain things uh, um feel like before rolling out into the marketplace so that i think has been what's what's been really different and and some of the clients um grant thornton has been a major client of ours locally we've worked with home depot chick-fil-a georgia power um nationally with espn napa so there's some heavyweight clients on that list um Uh, what i think is really cool too is that some of these people may have their first foray into any kind of theater as part of their workplace and then maybe if they have kids that can start that ecosystem again absolutely i think what it does is change the perception of the value of theater i think a lot of folks still assume um it's simply a luxury for for people who can maybe afford a ticket or people who have the time and um you know i i i disagree wholeheartedly i feel like it's an essential um um way to explore what it means to be a human being (laughs) so i think by like uh uh revealing the value that that theater can have as an art form i think changes the mind about oh maybe i actually want to see a show now and Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah i think it, it 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 lifts the entire art form. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things, just staying on the topic of just kind of general education, uh, one of the things I I've, I've think was really cool was like the study that we were able to do and kind of really get some like hard facts about how theater affects um, children. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about the study that we just got done with? Sure. So, so th- we've, we've been lucky to have a few different studies, but I'll, I'll focus on the, the field trip study right. mm-hmm. um, because there was such little research in our entire field on, on what happens when a young person experiences um, an artistic field trip. And we kept hearing from superintendents and from funders. They wanted the data. They're they're making an understandably data-driven decision. So if they're going to invest time and resource in sending a group of students to a field trip, they want to know what the the return is. The ROI. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so which seems absurd if you know if someone who's dedicated their life to this is like my God. Why are you here, yeah. Chris Moses? So um uh but so so I was hearing all of that and, and actually really weary of hearing this and having to make the defense of this is um essential to the development of a human being, you know, I, I, I believe so deeply in this. Um, but we uh, were given a, a, a wonderful gift from um, the Zeiss Foundation, uh, and they, which allowed us to, to finally test this. And, and the, the focus was 
I wanted to see if we could prove that it was increasing empathy in, in young people, because that's what I see, and that's what I believe deeply, and that's why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. So I thought if we could get that data, it would be so much easier to make the case than me just <laughs> ranting and raving about it. Um, so there was virtually no... Uh, research in this field there was one study that was done a number of years ago um now about five years ago in arkansas with the crystal bridges museum that got a bunch of notoriety it was on the front page of the new york times that the field trip is is increasing historical empathy and that was from one visit to an art museum i was like oh my gosh i knew it (laughs) 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 so um I was working with my colleagues at the High and the Symphony, and the fact that we all share this campus, we thought, well, wouldn't it be amazing to see what happens if a young person during the course of one academic year was able to go to see a concert with this world-class orchestra, could come to see a theater performance designed specifically for their, their age group, and then also go toward the High Museum of Art. What happens? What happens to the development of this young person? So we reached out to the uh, gentleman, Jay Green, who did that Crystal Bridges study. Um, It turns out University of Arkansas is this amazing research Mm -hmm. team in the the, um, School of Education Reform. And he, (laughs) shockingly to me, was like, this is the study I've been waiting my whole life for. (laughs) So he jumped on board to do the study. we also uh, uh, received some money from the NEA to continue the research, and this is going to be a longitudinal study. We just finished up the third year of research, mm-hmm. partnered with Atlanta Public Schools, um, worked with fourth and fifth graders who got this this experience. We had a control and an experimental group. So they would come to these, these trips and uh, were surveyed before and after the um, doctoral students at University of Arkansas would come down and administer these surveys twice a year they'd crunch this data and then APS was such a fantastic partner they also um, offered to give us the academic data which is not what prompted this study remember it was all about how can we test these social emotional gains like empathy Um, but they gave us that data and even the researcher thought well this is absurd you know a field trip is not going to change how a kid performs in school But after the first year, there were these surprising results, mm. and um, they started to find that the the young people who participated in the in the study were actually outperforming their peers in English language arts and math, huh. which wow. was really you know mystifying. Um, second year, it was even deeper. So this mm. compounded. The kids who did it a second year were doing even better. <laughs> Um, so the hypothesis was that there's something about these experiences that keep them more engaged in school, mm-hmm. and also they were finding out that they were more um, conscientious in their test taking. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a link somewhere in terms of conscientiousness and this right. experience of, of seeing something, some huh. kind of transcendent artistic experience. Um, which is all fantastic, but my favorite takeaway so far is that the people who who participated in the, the study, who got to see the symphony, the museum, and the theater all in their fourth or fifth grade year, um, were able to be more tolerant of different points of view. Mm-hmm. So I think that is the giant takeaway. Yes, yeah. they're doing better in school. Yes, mm-hmm. they're more conscientious in test-taking. All good things. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they can... Um, 
tolerate different points of view, I feel like is maybe the most important gift we can give young people and, and an essential uh, um, skill that is in, in uh, short supply, it seems, right now. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think one of the things that was great about the study as well is just the fact that it's one of those things that has been people all over Atlanta are excited about it. So like other theaters are able to use this study um, for their own research and their own grants, that sort of thing. Yeah, thank you, John. That's a great point. And, and that that was part of what prompted this. Again, mm -hmm. the, the weariness of having to prove um, ourselves to the funding community, <laughs> to the district leadership. So now I, I want everyone to, to use this if it can help. And also I think it can help um, uh, encourage collaborations across other art forms too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, look what happens if a theater partners with a museum or mm -hmm. a symphony, um, you know, how could this happen in other cities even? There are so many of these wonderful programs that we have here in the education department. Um, over the decade plus that you've been here at the Alliance, what is something that you're the most proud of? That is such a <laughs> like picking between children. I know, I know. Um, there is so much. I, I think if I had to select one thing, I, I think it would be the culture of our team and this department and um, the fact that I get to work with such a talented, passionate group of folks every day who come in intrinsically motivated by the work who um have this appetite to continue to try and push and are tireless in um in responding to what they feel atlanta needs i, I feel like that is that is what i am proudest of uh really because that 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 allows um this this ambitious mission of ours to expand hearts and minds uh to become a reality because we have this team in place who who so fully integrates that mission into how they move through the world yeah i think one of the the cool things about working here in this building is we get to walk through and see a lot of the different programs and things going on and so one of the things for me just because i don't have a background working with kids or anything but like walking into one of those rooms and seeing them work with the kids and how much energy and fun. And I just keep thinking to myself, how do they keep that energy up? And then it's funny going <laughs> all the time, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And then I go into the office when there are no kids around and it's still that same yeah. upbeat, yeah. happy yeah. energy, yeah. even when there's no kids. And that's just how that yeah. department is. And, it's and the that, third floor. It it's is. the party and floor. That, but it is, it's intentional. I mean, that was, um, built and it's encouraged from every member of that team. So I think that is that is my proudest legacy right now. Yeah, yeah. You guys have so many really cool things going on. Like, what what's the future? Like, what is the future of theater for the young? Look or like? the Alliance Education uh, Department, yeah. or yeah. TYA in general. <laughs> Let's just go for uh, it. Well, I'll start. I mean, TYA I think is at such an interesting time we we hosted um the biennial conference for for theater for young audience practitioners here in uh may and it was an international convening um and it just feels like the, it was a watershed moment um 
because the type of artists who are attracted to this work are, I mean, it's so exciting. We had Liz Diamond, who chairs the Yale School of Drama here, creating a piece for four to eight-year-olds. I mean, these are people at the top of their game that are um, playing with form and uh, um, story in such inventive ways. Uh, I think it's, it's a thrilling time to, to, be, to be a part of that field. Um, a couple things that I'm, I'm really excited about are some, some new models. We were um, asked by the city of Atlanta and a corporate funder, PNC Bank, to create a book for young people that will now become a theater for the very young show, which I think is really interesting for a theater to be asked to, to start creating stories that can be in book form that can be given out to thousands of young people across the city is mm. is interesting. So I think the future for the Alliance education is is to not only continue to be a resource, but to be clearly seen and approached as a resource for for both the education and civic health of this of this city. I mean, I think when when you start thinking about um, our operation that way, it just changes what we do yeah yeah i think i think that's one of the things that people don't realize is how much of a leader um the alliance in your department is nationally in mm. this in this field because <clears throat> we've we have other theaters that are looking to do these type of things and they come to us and and look to this and so it's great to not just build up what we're doing but helping the national scene mm. as we start moving forward and trying to build you know the next generation of theater lovers. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we do when we have shows in our season is actually come at the show with an education lens. So right now we're doing a show called Becoming Nancy. And uh, Chris, do you want to talk a little bit about what we do with that kind of piece for the kids? Sure. So um, each show of the season, uh, we want to make sure that, that, there's access for for young people to engage in the work. Um, so a show like Becoming Nancy, which is you know squarely aimed at at adult audiences, you know it takes place in a high school, and I think will resonate so powerfully with with teenagers. So we wanted to make sure um, that that we took advantage of that fact and and made sure that the teens in our community know about it. So one thing I'll point to is uh, that a lot of people don't realize we have a teen ticket program where teens can access um, these shows, these Broadway-bound shows, for 10 bucks. It's cheaper than a movie, wow. you know? Wow. So, yeah, so yeah. there's this, we really want to make sure that they come here. Um, another uh, avenue is a program called Teen Audience Fusion, which is working with, again, our, our colleagues at Atlanta Public Schools and bringing in high school students into the evening uh, adult um, um, performances because so often, you know, I, I feel like we segregate the, the, the high school audiences and here's a matinee for you, you come during school. But I think something different happens when you come here and are treated as, as 
uh, an adult. As he, and, and so the fusion program, and the reason it has this weird scientific name of fusion, <laughs> is we spread out these young people throughout the house. So they're fused with the, the subscriber base. And we prime them uh, before the show uh, with, with both food <laughs> and, uh, and, and talking points. Like we find out what is the central question that this show is asking and have uh, teaching artists facilitate these conversations. So these young people, about 90 of them will come each night we do it, are, are in the house and um, sitting next to, you know, say our 65-year-old subscriber mm-hmm. and engaging them in a conversation. I feel like it changes the experience not only for the teen but for, for our regular ticket buyers because I remember when we were first launching it, we were um, – uh, doing disgrace, which is such a provocative piece, but then it's one thing to, to watch it from your own point of view as an adult, but to be watching it next to a 16 year old, I think you start to process the material in a different way mm-hmm. and can hopefully spark intergenerational dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but h- how other ways that we engage um, educationally with the shows, uh, there's a program we do out in the schools um, called Dramaturgy by Students. So we engage uh, um, students across every age group in developing dramaturgical materials. So doing research about the piece that we'll then share with the creative team and the actors. So it becomes this exchange. And they are the ones actually developing the study guides that go out to other students, which I think is really exciting. That's so neat. That's great. Uh, so obviously we have to ask, how did you yeah. uh, get bitten by the theater bug? <laughs> yeah, Um so I can point to that there was there was a uh, I think a particular moment, um, but then it was a slow burn after that. But I grew up um, in Northeast Pennsylvania for the most part, it was about an hour directly west of Manhattan. Um, so uh, we would take in a, in a public school, but we would take field trips into to Broadway shows, which was pretty exciting. And then my parents once a year would take my brother and I to see a show. And I remember going, I must have been five, um, and they took us to see Peter Pan. And uh, there was this moment when the actress playing Tiger Lily, this is in a Broadway house, you know, and we had decent seats, nothing great. But <laughs> I remember that feeling of her locking eyes with me and whether <laughs> in there was something so transcendent in that moment that I felt I, I couldn't believe that this was happening in real time. And there was something so captivating about that that I've I've never forgotten, um, even though it's not what I thought I was going to be doing. It wasn't... I was not the typical theater kid. One, we didn't have a theater program in our <laughs> our school or our high school. You know, our Spanish teacher just yeah, he can he can direct a show. Let's put him in there. <laughs> so it wasn't a a lifelong ambition, but there was this uh, deep appreciation for it. Um, um, and I, so 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 that moment, and then I think the. Um, and, and and just love of story and knowing what that can do um, for somebody just kind of that planted the seed and I think that blossomed later. So, um, great. Uh, thank you, Chris, so much for coming out and being willing to chat with us about all the amazing things that are going on in education. Um, if you would, if someone's going to walk away from this podcast with like a, a, a an idea of what 
the alliance does as far as education. Mm-hmm. What I what do you want them to take away? What do you want them mm-hmm. to walk away from this conversation with? Yeah, I, I, uh, one, I'd, I'd want them to 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 know that our mission is in action. We take that to heart. This is not some clever phrase that we put on grant applications, but mm-hmm. we deeply believe in the responsibility to expand hearts and minds. Um, and if we're going to have such an audacious mission statement, we better be, be doing our, <laughs> yeah, our job. So I'd want people to know that and to continue to look at us as a resource if there is a need in the community where you think um, this art form can be of service. Don't hesitate to reach out. We will listen and try and respond. That's great. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate you coming out and your time. Oh, thank you both. Here's our calendar of events for September 2019. We are officially in show mode here at the Alliance Theater, and we have two productions that we'll be playing in September. The first up is Becoming Nancy. Set against the backdrop of Southeast London in the thrill of the late 70s, this uproarious and touching coming-of-age story will take you back to your first music obsession and the highs and lows of your first love. Directed and choreographed by Tony Award winner Jerry Mitchell, Becoming Nancy runs from September 6th through October 6th. You can get your tickets at alliancetheater.org slash nancy. Hey Willie, See the Pyramids, a theater for the very young production inspired by Myra Kalman's whimsical book, this theatrical adventure explores the vivid places where bedtime stories meet dreaming. Our young audiences will go on an associative magical ride as the colors, shapes, words, and characters from Lulu's stories become real. Running September 24th through October 27th, tickets at alliancetheater.org slash heywilly, and that's Willie with a Y. For a sneak preview of Hey Willie, find us at the Clarkston Tell Me a Story Festival on September 7th. More info at clarkstontellmeastory.org. Who's interested in a free class? In the first week of September, our education department will be putting on both on-camera workshops and acting workshops. So for more details on that, go to alliancetheater.org education. We have a few family free days coming this month. One in partnership with UNICEF USA on September 8th right here at the Woodruff Arts Center and one on September 22nd at the Alpharetta Arts Center. That's all our announcement today and we hope that we'll see you at the Alliance very soon. You've been listening to the Alliance Theater Podcast. For updates and new episodes, visit us at alliancetheater.org slash podcast. Have a question, comment, or an idea for a future episode? Email us at podcast at alliancetheater.org. I'm John Carr. And I'm Ariel Tinter. And this has been the Alliance Theater Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>